it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. With Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Mr.com. On weei.com. Okay, Post game podcast a, a day late, but it's understandable because it was a Saturday night game. And now we're on Monday morning, 27 17 yeah, loss to the Colts. Uh, frustrating loss on a number of different ways. But I, I guess what are, your, what are your takeaways that were, whatever, 20 upwards of 24 hours after the loss? While Bill Belichick apparently apologized to the media this morning, um, I think Bill nailed it in his postgame press conference. They were terrible. You know, a week earlier, I had all these arguments with people about the, or two weeks earlier, the great win in Buffalo and who deserved the credit, coaching and offensive line and defense and this and that. Now it's the argument of who sucked more in this game. Because I think coaching, special teams, defense and offense at various points, various key points, various game losing points, were absolutely horrific. And that's why Bill just kept saying, I keep telling you, we didn't do anything well enough. We didn't do anything. I've said it five times. I can say it five more times. We didn't do anything. And was he annoying? Yes. Was it, I don't want to say borderline unprofessional, but it was also true. Like it was actual, factual, like that was the reality. Like you just said it. it depicted what the game was like that was that's that's what it was it wasn't like they lost on a last second play when they scored 50 points it was they just played really terrible from start to finish and everybody like offensive line sucked defensive line sucked um you know special teams max sucked early the the penalties just unforgivable the the penalties the double offensive penalties a couple different times you know, false starts, delay of games, like things that are just unacceptable for punt any blocks. Team. Yeah, punt block. I mean, Bill, I Bill this revealed this morning. I didn't think I told you this because you weren't on the call. The the uh, pooch punt in the fourth quarter, like when they could have done an onside kick, they messed that up. Bill said we either got to kick it deep or do something else. Like they messed that up. Interesting. So. Yeah. He. Um, but I would also say. Now, first of all, I don't think the game was as close as no, it kind of played out, but you did have a shot. Like the reality is, thanks in large part to Carson Wentz sucking. That's one good thing I'd tell you, Patriots fans. You have the better quarterback from Saturday night's matchup. So if you face them again down the road and eliminate some of the crap plays, I like your chances because Carson Wentz not only kept you in the game, he tried to let you win the game. He tried to keep throwing it to you. And 
I firmly believe that that was part, like, I don't think, I don't think Frank Reich has a ton of confidence in Carson Wentz and they played the game the way they could. Cause they were ahead. Um, be thanks in large part to the, I mean, the opening drive or not the opening drive, but their opening scoring drive when they drove it right down your throat. And then the subsequent huge play where Jacoby Myers, again, drops a deep ball down the left sideline, block punt, touchdown, 14, nothing. Now it's all being played on the Colts terms. They can kind of do what they want to do. And, and that was true, but it wasn't, you sucked. You gave them the game and you got your butt whooped and it's a losable game. Like it, maybe not this way, but going into Indy, you're, you're riding high. I know seven game winning streak, but this is a losable game. The, the, the Colts were favored. So it's not like you were, you know, rolling in and nobody could possibly beat the Patriots, but to see it lost this way, I think was pretty, pretty surprising, pretty disappointing. Now, maybe this is the wake up call. That's, that was sort of the, the silver lining view. I think that Matthew Slater took when, you know, there were some really interesting post-game comments, I think from Matthew Slater in particular and Mac Jones in particular, um, just from the, the Slater perspective, this idea that, Maybe this is a wake-up call. Human nature. It's what we talked about. My column and Michael Hurley's idea that they could use a loss here. And maybe that will slap them in the face and it'll be a good thing and catapult them to play better. Now, the problem is you're now the two seed. You're now chasing the Chiefs and you still have losable games on the horizon. So it it's, could be difficult to catch the Chiefs, but I guess it's the old argument. Would you rather be playing your best football or would you rather be playing a less games and playing at home? I personally would rather play less games and play at home because I think the extra game that's just in the NFL this year, especially it's a losable game. Like it's a chance to lose. So uh, yeah, I don't want to be doing that, but uh, it was certainly an interesting Saturday night that I didn't expect to play out the way it did. Cause as you know, I kind of thought the Patriots were going to go in there and punch the Colts in the mouth. Instead, the Patriots got kicked in the nuts. Uh, Yeah. I think I was one of the only people in the Boston media that saw that coming, but. Look, gonna, look at this guy. I'm going to take a victory lap. I'm just going to point it out there. Um, I told you so, Ryan Hannibal checking in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you mentioned uh, Mac Jones's comment after the game, the um, not having a good week of practice. Do you think there was some truth to that? Or, like, I kind of took it as maybe that was just an Alabama thing to say after a loss, or maybe it just lies somewhere in the middle? Um, probably lies somewhere in the middle. Um, and I also always wonder – you know me, anytime there's post-game comments by a player, I wonder if they are rooted in something Bill said. So Bill may have said in his post-game, now we won't get it because they didn't win, so it doesn't make its way to Patriots.com. He may have said something like, you know, you guys just learned last week wasn't good enough on the practice field. We got our butts whooped and it started last week. That's not a good enough effort for that entire week. And Mac may have latched on to that. Because Mac usually does reiterate what Bill says. Right. Now, the thing I want to know, and I'm actually going to talk to, I think the MFers are in today, Merloni and Fourier, and be talking to Mac. They will I want to know more about the sulking, the, the feeling sorry for ourselves. Was that, what did he mean by that? Was that once the game started? Was that during the week leading up to, like, I wasn't really sure what he meant by feeling sorry for ourselves. It was definitely odd. Like, I don't know if he could have very well misspoken. Well, that's, I actually... He works so hard to say nothing that I've kind of stopped listening to his words because I think sometimes in his effort to say nothing, he accidentally says something that he didn't intend to say by just, I don't know, saying the wrong words. And I took it as that, but I'd like to hear him explain it, whatever his explanation. So I'm going to 
try to plant that seed with Christian um, and Lou. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I know McCordy sort of poo-pooed the the reality check or the the wake up call and just said we got punched in the mouth for one game. Like now we have to move on, but they do need to move on quickly because now there's no margin for error. Like, I mean, you can see it with the Ravens yesterday. The Ravens lose and go from whatever they were, the three seed to the eight seed or something like. Yeah, they were going to win the AFC North and now they're not even in the playoffs. Right. And it's it's so bunched up with all these teams with four, five, six losses that there's going to. Fortunately for the Patriots, they do have that conference record that goes in their favor. They will win a lot of those tiebreakers. So I don't think they'll have that huge jump, but they can very, they'll very well go from being, you know, a a two seed after this week, if they lose this week to, to go down in that probably five to six range. And I know a lot of people have fears of the season finale in Miami, which the way Miami's playing, I haven't done all the permutations of the playoffs, but like they're kind of injecting themselves into the conversation now. And if the Patriots lose to the Bills and then the Patriots lose to the Dolphins, I don't know. It's getting chaotic. And now the NFL, Goodell loves it, I have to think. The way this is played, A, he gets games every night of the week thanks to COVID. And B, at least in the AFC, everybody's in the mix for a playoff spot. You yeah. could be the seven seed. You could be the two seed. You're going to be moving around. Could be playing um, again on Saturday night, last week of the year, Miami. What's that? Because that has a chance to get flexed. The ESPN has two games on Saturday. That game all of a sudden could have a lot of importance. The ESPN could. might want that game, so maybe get another Saturday game. That's what I need. That's just what I need. Um, but let's get back to the game, the actual core of the game. Yeah, and I, I referenced it earlier, like we do, you know, credit pies and blame pies. If you were to fixate on the one, pull one thing that led to the the big snowball of negativity getting getting going, what would you what would you point to? Kind of blocked punt. That's certainly and and those change games. You know, Matthew Slater, I know, said it. He he wasn't sure of the numbers. I don't know the exact numbers. I need Giardi or Reese to use their massive resources of research to find it. When you get a punt blocked not just the actual blocking of the punt or even the recovery momentum yeah huge feels like an absolute you know baseball bat to the side of the head it wasn't like it was just blocked it was returned for a touchdown right and i and yeah that is so valuable at that point especially the way it was if the patriots had scored first and that only evened the game maybe it's different but that was like piling on so you're referring to a big picture thing though not just one play i'm assuming well yeah and and i my argument would be the offensive line I think the offensive line was terrible. Like, you couldn't run the ball. You already didn't have Damian Harris. Stevenson, I thought, maximized every run he got and didn't have a good – like, he, there were no yards to speak of. He ran hard. He, he broke tackles. Um, some of the penalties were on the offensive line. Certainly that on yeah. when who won on – well, I guess technically he wasn't an offensive lineman. He was an extra blocker, but he's a lineman. Uh, I thought Mac got frazzled because of some of the pressure that he felt. I saw, I think Evan Lazar tweeted out like 30% pressure in this game. And it's the fifth time Max been pressured 30% of the time. And oh, by the way, the Patriots are 0-5 in those games. Those are their five losses. Um, I thought the root of the problem was the offensive line. And they, and I think quickly followed by the defensive line. I think this was the opposite of the Bills game. I think you controlled the trenches in Buffalo and you got your ass kicked in the trenches. And it almost makes me question, are they a fraudulent physical tough team like they can do it against 70 percent of the league but when you get into the the top of the top like the actual other physical tough teams or do you not measure up to those teams and I don't want to take too much out of one game but I would also argue 
two of the last three, you gave up 220 plus yards on the ground. So that makes me wonder, because they're built to be that. They're built to run the ball, offensive line, defensive front, all those things. But are you built that way, but only against X number of teams and the, and the cream, you're not part of that? Yeah, see, the O-line, I think, is just a one-game thing. I think they are built tough. Like, I, I don't question that. The defensive line, I do question. Like, I think their run defense is a problem. And I think if you have a team, if you match up a team that has a good running game and a good offensive line, I think that's bad news for you, especially in the playoffs. And I think that's, a, that's an area that I think teams down to close the season will look at and try to just exploit. And, you know, in some years I would say, well, if I was going to have one weakness, maybe run defense is the weakness in the year 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. past happy. But you have – you certainly have seen the Titans without Derrick Henry. You could see the Titans again with Derrick Henry. They're mm-hmm. a team built to run the football. Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. Jonathan Taylor is an MVP candidate. They're a team built to run the football. The Browns ran on you without their guys. The Browns mm-hmm. could get in this mix. You could see a Browns team with Chubb and Hunt that's built to run the football. So this isn't a year where it's, oh, I only have to deal with the pass. I, no, this is a year where you could deal with multiple playoff opponents that are looking to run the football. And I do think it's now becoming, because I've talked about depth in the secondary, that could be your fatal flaw, Jalen Mills. Now it's like, could the fatal flaw be the inability to stop the run? And the thing to me, everybody fixates on the, um, the, the game clinching run, the 67 yarder by Taylor, which, Jonathan, I mean, um, Dante Hightower did a terrible job. There's no way around that. Um, that right there, though, is the example. I always say to you when people say, well, double this guy, double team this guy, whether it's a block or a pass rusher, just double team him or in coverage, double team him. Right there was an example of just because you have two guys on one, sometimes that makes it worse if one of the guys is out of position. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yep. And that was an example where Hightower overruns it. He kind of eliminates himself and McCourty from being in the play. Boom, cutback, touchdown. But that wasn't even most alarming to me. Most alarming to me was the game, the, the runs early in the game where you were like, oh, yeah, not much there. Oh, son of a bitch. He got four yards. Five mm-hmm. Like, it looked like they were playing it tight. No gaps, no creases. But the line of scrimmage was moving downfield because the Colts front with Quentin Nelson and Fisher and those guys, without their starting center, by the way, they were pushing you up down the field. So it looks like there wasn't a ton there and they were still getting four or five yards. So run defense may have moved to the top of the uh, fatal flaw list or concerns list. Do you have any concerns moving forward with the passing game? You lost um, Nelson Aguilar and Nikhil Harry seemingly to concussions. And then Jacoby Myers, I don't want to say like he's going downhill, but he hasn't like taken that next, I don't want to say jump. He just, He's gotten, he's gotten worse, I guess. Like, See, I don't think he's gotten worse. I would put Jacoby Myers and Jalen Mills in the same basket. If you ask them to do what they should be doing, I think both are fine. But he didn't draw up passes last year. I don't think he's good down the field. But I'm, I'm saying – Why I'm is he going down the field? It's two in the last three weeks. He's just dropped, like, open passes. Jacoby Myers should be making catches within about 10 to 12 yards of the line of scrimmage, turning his back to you. I said it yesterday on WEEI's – tremendous Sunday morning sports talk show. I think he's the guy who needs to be catching the ball with his triangle. You know, a guy facing the quarterback, thumbs together, not down the field with pinkies trying to catch deep balls. I don't, I think you're, you're using him out of necessity maybe or whatever, but 
Use him as your possession receiver. He should be running outs and drags and comebacks and things like that. He shouldn't be making plays on the outside down the field. And you're seeing he can't make plays on the outside down the field. It's not part of his game. So do I have questions about the passing game? Yeah. Are there any more than they, they were? No. The, the answer is we've proven, I think, pretty definitively, and I know this is probably stating the obvious because it's probably true of most teams, but Patriots need to play the games on their terms. No Run question. the ball, like play from a front, not have a lot of pressure to make big plays in the passing game, those types of things. And if they don't do that, they're not good enough. They, they just aren't. That's the reality yeah, of their I, life. I tweeted the stat after the game. They're 0-4 when Mac has to throw the ball 36 or more times. And people took that as a criticism on Mac. It's not. It's just the way the team's built. They're better from – and that, that comes – that's not just passing in Mac. That's on, like you said before, playing the game on their terms. If they're ahead, they're not going to throw the ball 35 times because they don't need to. It, it just – that's how they are. They're built to run the ball, play good defense, and win that way. And when they're forced to play from behind and throw the ball more, that's recipe for losing. Right. And now the one upside, if somehow – you turn the big play from Nikhil Harry into a springboard and like he become that could change things. That's what he's supposed to be. That mm-hmm. catch is like, you should directly connect draft day to that catch and just pretend everything else in the middle never happened. And yeah, the last, the last two and a half years, just forget oh. all that, forget all of it. Cause that catch right there, isn't that why you drafted him? Like a big yeah. situation down the field. He goes up strong, gets the football, flips the field, puts you in position. That's supposed to be what he is. And if somehow, some way that increases in the coming weeks, that would be a boon for the offense. But the offense is what it is. You have a bunch of complimentary guys. You have a good, solid tight end. You still have snake bitten John o. Smith, who every time he does anything, there's guaranteed to be a penalty to wipe it out. So it didn't actually exist. Um, and yeah, you just, you have limitations. That's just the reality of the offense. Uh, big picture before you wrap this up. Do you feel how do you feel about this team moving forward after watching the game Saturday night, then watching the rest of the NFL on Sunday? Do you still believe like how do you feel about this team? Obviously, I think they were overrated to an extent in that seven game win streak where they weren't the best team in the AFC. But where do you fall? Are they still that second or third team in that top tier or are they down in that next second tier in the conference? I think the Patriots are fine. Fine is the word I would use in this year where there's no great teams, no consistency. There's winnable games. I mean, the Packers, which are supposed to be now maybe the, the team to beat, maybe in all of football, the Packers, maybe they're the team to beat. They were hanging on for dear life against the Ravens with a backup quarterback. And the Ravens are as banged up as anybody. Like, so I don't think anybody's great. We've said this all year. I still don't think the Chiefs are great. Um, I still fear them. I still think the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC, but they are not unbeatable. Now, I don't love the idea of Mac Jones going into Arrowhead Stadium for an AFC title game or, or whenever it is, but going into Arrowhead. Um, but this idea, I know Karen wrote this, like, are the Patriots, did they go from contender to pretender? No, they're still a contender. Every, but, but the difference is I've believed all along, virtually every team in the AFC that makes the playoffs is a contender, could win. Whether it's the Bengals, the Colts, whoever you think could be the bottom of it, the Bills, if they get hot, they were the team to beat early. The Chargers, I still think, have potential. It, it, no, no team. I'm trying to think of a team. Okay, the Dolphins. If the Dolphins get in, Dolphins and Browns are probably two teams that if they get in, I'd be pretty stunned if they were in the Super Bowl. But Steelers. most. Oh, yeah, the Steelers. Forget. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Like those teams I would eliminate. But the bulk of the, 
Bengals. Bengals, I think, could get hot. I definitely think the Bengals could. I think the Bengals could definitely get no, hot. No, no offense, no running game. I, I put them as a – I think you're underrating Joe Mixon. Um, I'm certainly not. He's on my fantasy team. He cost me the fantasy football playoffs yesterday. Oh, see, you're too close then. You're too close. <laughs> uh, but, yes, I, I the big picture question, could the Patriots still compete for a Super Bowl? Very much so. Hmm? You know what also is true? Now I'm going to sound like Boomer Esiason here. I'm going to cover all my bases. Patriots could compete for a Super Bowl. I also believe they could lose their first playoff game. Like, that's just – call me a wishy-washy, call me a bad interview like Boomer, whatever you want to call me. Um, I just think that's the reality. The line is – like, you said it, the punt block. If that punt block doesn't happen, you think there's a chance Patriots win that game? No, but it would be – they they would be closer to it, and it could very well have happened. I don't think it plays they out would. very differently. So, yeah. if, so, essentially, if Jacoby Myers catches that ball – that block punt never happens because the whole game changes. The situation changes. So that's how close all these games are. I mean, the Ravens, the Ravens are two plays away from wins going for two game on the line. Uh, that Huntley guy, by the way, pretty good. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. even saying on the broadcast, like he gets the ball out quicker than Lamar. Like they kind of like almost, I don't want to say they, they prefer the offense with him, but I think the receivers do. I, um, I'm going to tick off Chris Scheim today at some point by saying, are the Ravens better with Huntley as their quarterback? Uh, I knew nothing about him. When I first saw that he was starting, I thought it was the guy who used to be the Packers backup, Hundley or something, and it's a totally different yeah, play. I was actually watching the game with my dad yesterday, and he said the same thing. Oh, this guy used to play for the Packers. I was like, nope. No, it's a different guy. This guy's good. This guy can run. He can throw. Like, um, But that's how close everything is. The you know the Titans game, the, there's just so many – bunched up teams and Are i fraudulent titans um any more so or less so than some of the other teams I don't know, what did they fumble three times or turnovers on three three plays and three times in ten plays yeah it's not great it's not great but you also remember they're a team that's playing without their studs still because uh julio's hurt again yeah he's out he didn't finish the game i think he's toast i, I like that like damage goods just, yeah um, so that changed because everybody's focused on when Derrick Henry comes back, but their receiving situation is up in the oh, air. Too. So yes, they're probably not a true contender, but I think they could beat anybody once. Right. That's the problem with all these teams. Other than the chiefs, I find it hard to pick any of these teams to win three straight playoff games, like three straight big games. Cause I just don't see the overall talent, consistency, coaching, mm-hmm. reliability, all those things. And I would put the Patriots very much in that group. And But one of them's going to do it. One of them's going to get hot. And now it might just be the Chiefs because they're the talent. They're the better team. But you watch them, and even while you're convincing yourself, okay, they're back, the defense is better this, then you see Mahomes throw a Cam Newton ball on the goal line, and you're like, well, they're beatable too. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. And COVID is an issue too that we're going to have to just keep an eye on, like what COVID does to these teams, these games, the depth, who's playing. Now the NFL has taken a – you know, South Park Sheriff uh, Barberry approach to nothing to see here. Move on. Nope. You don't need to get tested anymore because I don't, don't want to feel know sick. That. Move, move right along. Go inside. I, I just appreciate that. You know, Mike Florio, Adam Schefter, the NFL, they've all gone MAGA because this was an original MAGA argument. Yeah. You're going to find people with positives. If you test them, stop testing them. That's why the test rates are going up. Like that's what the NFL is doing. I don't understand it. You can let them play and also test them. Why not just test them so you know what's going on? 
but still let them play and say there's never been a transmission on an outdoor football field and just let mm-hmm. them go play. This this whole like this is like a girl. Well, kind of said it today. Like, oh, come in today. Don't really know what to expect. Like the rules the rules uh, expire today, so we'll expect to get a new rules tonight for tomorrow. Yeah. Like it's basically like day by day, just week really week by week, making things up kind of as they go. And even like the media policy, you see this changing next week. No, no in-person access anymore. Sweet. So I don't have to drive to Gillette anymore. Nope. Oh, and I can't go this week. So I guess my access is done for the year. Which, but, but like, you know what I'm saying to that? There's always been no transmission from media to players. So it's like, what are we doing there? And then they're limiting the number of people at practice when we're a hundred yards away. It just. <laughs> now that's funny. The other just... stuff I can see, because a lot of the world is starting I mean, Northeastern doesn't have fans at games anymore. Harvard's going full remote. I don't even know. As we're speaking, I think the mayor of Boston is going to have a press conference that may have some sort of lasting ramifications of announcements. We're going backwards, but it's going to be an issue for us to deal with with the Patriots. Now, I think they've been on the forefront of this. We talked about it. Felt like even last week they were starting to take things a lot more seriously. You made a comment that Bill um, offered up that they even divvied their weight room up a little bit. and. So I think the Patriots are taking this very, all the, you know, coming to the podium, Bill with his mask on and different things. They're taking it very seriously. And again, I don't really think they're taking it seriously as much as a COVID thing as I need all my players on the field. Cause I want to win football games in December and January. Kind of like the bucks last year. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, well, you got to go to do some radio. So we'll yes. let you go. And then uh, we'll have a, a bills preview podcast. I think time will allow it to happen Wednesday or Thursday. Oh, yeah, we'll find a way to squeeze it in. It'll be a Merry Christmas preview podcast. All right. uh, We'll talk to you later. Peace out.